0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. I
1: guess the question I had is how did Seagate get such a small fine and penalty? Recognizing this was the absolute maximum it could have been fined under BIS regs. They're very lucky this didn't move into the criminal realm under the Department of Justice. Today in Compliance Into the Weeds, Matt and I take a deep dive into the export sanctions enforcement action against Seagate Technologies for selling uh, controlled goods to Huawei. It's a very interesting enforcement action involving BIS, not the Department of Commerce or the Department of Justice, although that may be coming. Turns out there's lots of lessons learned for the compliance professional because there were lots of mistakes made by Seagate, and they may continue to do so down the road. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. First, quick message from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Good to be here, Tom. Well, Matt, we had one of the most interesting export control enforcement actions I think we've had in a long time. You've blogged about it, and we're here to talk about it now. It's Seagate. You want to set the stage?
0: Sure. So this sanction was handed down last week. Seagate Technology Corporation is nominally headquartered in Ireland, although it has operations all over the world, including in the United States and Singapore, which are the two jurisdictions we will start talking about momentarily. Seagate makes components for computer hard drives. And the Bureau of Industry and Security, BIS, which is a subsidiary of the Commerce Department, last week, BIS fined Seagate $300 million, for selling, exporting components for hard drives to Huawei Technologies, which is the big telecom giant in China, which is under sanctions in the United States and several other countries because people basically just do not trust Huawei, that they believe there is evidence. I'm not entirely clear on how accurate this evidence is that Beijing uses Huawei for spying purposes. At the very least, it is quite plausible that Beijing could force Huawei to gather data from its telecom equipment and share that intelligence with Beijing. So Huawei has been under U.S. sanctions law since sanctions since 2020. And yet, for some reason, Seagate continued to ship components to Huawei clear through until late 2021. So we wind up with a $300 million fine for that, which is the largest fine that BIS has ever imposed. And I think it's striking because just earlier this year, we were talking about how the U.S. Justice Department was saying that sanctions is going to be the new FCPA risk. And lo and behold, here we are now with a big sanctions compliance case. This is a significant deal for BIS, and I think there's a couple of good lessons there for compliance officers generally.
1: So, I'm not even sure where to start, Matt, because you end by, I think, correctly noting or at least comparing and contrasting this case to Microsoft. So, maybe we could start there, and if I could ask, uh, we talked about Microsoft in our prior podcast, but what did you see as the major differences between Microsoft's approach and Seagate's approach? that Microsoft had one,
0: and I'm not entirely clear what Seagate had here. It's worth noting that Microsoft's (laughs) sanctions case, just to recap for everybody, that was imposed by both BIS and OFAC, the Treasury Department wing, that is in charge of economic sanctions, anti-money laundering, things like that. BIS is in charge of export controls. Microsoft got busted because its Russian subsidiary, was selling software licenses to sanctioned persons in the 2010s. All of this preceded Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So the Microsoft activities, they were happening in the 2010s up till 2019, when Microsoft then apparently discovered it through an audit that it had a problem. It reached out to OFAC and BIS, worked with them very well, and received a $3.3 million fine for, I think it was about $12 million worth of software licenses sold through the Russian subsidiary. Huawei and Seagate, that arrangement was more that Huawei was put under U.S. sanctions rules in August of 2020. Almost immediately thereafter, Seagate's two top competitors said, we're out, we're not doing any business with Huawei anymore because they're sanctioned. Uh, Seagate went the opposite route and actually said at a conference in September of 2020, several weeks after sanctions went into effect, the CFO, I think it was, of the U.S. subsidiary stood up at a conference and said, we see no reason not to continue doing business with Huawei or any other customers in China. So Seagate really just hugged Huawei all the more closely, even after Huawei went under sanctions, U.S. sanctions rules. And then, and I think the timeline is important here, sanctions August 2020, U.S. CFO saying we think this is still fine, September of 2020. By December of 2020, Seagate signed a contract with Huawei to be a, like a premier supplier, I think the exclusive key supplier of hardware components to Huawei. They signed that agreement in December of 2020, several months after the U.S. official stood up at a business conference and said, we think Huawei is fine. Now, if he had been wrong on that, you know, Seagate's lawyers could have grabbed him afterwards and said, no, 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 we got to walk this back. That never happened. Instead, Seagate signed a contract to make the business relationship with Huawei all the more important, sold a billion dollars' worth of goods to Huawei over the course of the next year. All through most of 2021, the sales team in the U.S. was excited about this. They were extending lines of credit to Huawei. Clearly, they thought there was no issue in doing business with Huawei when throughout that entire period more and more of US tech firms were saying, nope, we're not doing anything with Huawei. Everybody take three steps back. They were saying it publicly. They were announcing it in 10 Qs or on earnings calls or whatnot. Everybody was doing that except Seagate, which for some reason thought it was still okay to keep working with Huawei. We can talk a bit about the rules that were at issue here, what they misunderstood. But you know, Tom, get back to your original question. How is this different from Microsoft? Microsoft knew it had a problem and tried to fix it. Seagate, it, by all appearances, thought it had no problem and squeezed Huawei even more in a great big bear hug, made an awful lot of money off of it. Seagate's annual revenue is about $11.5 billion. So $1.1 billion in sales, like that's a material amount of money for this company. And it was being sold to a Huawei, which is a company that anybody with two eyes could see, there's sanctions risks here. We got to clarify this. And Seagate never did.
1: So that really, when I re- first read this initial um, enforcement action, it struck me, or I guess the question I had is, how did Seagate get such a small fine and penalty, recognizing this was the absolute maximum that could have been fined under BIS regs? They're Very lucky this didn't move into the criminal realm uh, under the Department of Justice because in addition to a complete lack of any sort of culture of compliance or even doing business ethically, the thing that struck me was post-settlement, the um, Seagate CEO said We determined that engaging with BIS and settling this matter was the best course of action because they believe they never engaged in any violations. And that is the failure to acknowledge your culpability is a key multiplier (laughs) under the federal sentencing guidelines. And so if this had been any sort of criminal penalty, uh, this fine and penalty would have gone through the roof. Well, Tom, I
0: think you know we should just clarify for the moment. I'm not clear that there isn't any criminal liability here. We know as of right now, the Justice Department hasn't weighed in on this, but I don't know for a fact that the department has you know given them a declination to prosecute or anything, but there are some pretty ugly looking facts here, and you know while we're on the subject of what the company else has agreed to in addition to the fine. They are under a five-year sort of, kind of, sort of DPA, not really a DPA, but they have to go through three audits of their sanctions compliance program over the course of the next five years. The first audit will be done by an independent compliance consultant who will review and inspect Seagate's export compliance program. The next two audits of it will then be done, I guess, by the internal audit function within Seagate. Those three audits in total must be done over the next five years. It's not clear to me what would happen if there are future violations here. But, I mean, it seems quite, it's not a good look. Some of the evidence, I'll put it that way, that has come out with the BIS settlement that the U.S. sales team was saying this is a great deal. They were extending lines of credit multiple times in 2021. They had clear and compelling and blatantly obvious evidence from their peers that Huawei is a problematic customer, everybody else is dropping them, and yet they didn't. So unless I am missing it that the Justice Department has expressly said we're not looking into this, I don't know that they're not. I don't know that we've heard the end of this.
1: Well, I don't think we could— we could say there's a DPA because I didn't see any of the language. Clearly no CCO, export control, or other certification required. Oh. Uh, the I don't know why BIS would trust uh, Seagate to do audits even after an initial independent compliance consultant. Uh, it just seemed to me they got off very, very lightly, although they still don't think they've done anything wrong. Um and then the other point I wanted to explore, we don't get to talk about this very often, that you raised in your blog. Uh, one of the things that the DOJ talks about in an effective compliance program is you look to your left and look to your right and see what your neighbor's doing. And if your neighbor has gotten into trouble, um, perhaps you need to look at your sales function or compliance function. But here, it really has a different spin, and you said it. You know, two of the major suppliers to Huawei ran away, and Seagate embraced them. And so they clearly weren't looking to see what the competitors are doing, except to perhaps see a business opportunity. I, I think that is a point that is worth exploring here.
0: Yeah, you know, so I'm sure it, as devotees of uh, the effective guidelines from the Justice Department, yeah, the department says, look to your left, look to your right, see what other people are doing, what they're getting in trouble for, incorporate those lessons learned into your risk assessment, I would say that that process can work in reverse as well. Look to your left, look to your right. If your neighbors are boarding up their windows, that probably means there is a hurricane coming and you should do the same. And that is really the metaphor that would work here because, look, the department has said sanctions is the new FCPA. I think as soon as your major competitors and then minor competitors further down the street, they're all boarding up their windows. They're all running them from Huawei. Like read the room or read the street and you know see that everybody else is doing this. We should probably do this too. Um, and they didn't at Seagate for reasons that remain unclear to me. But that would probably be one crossover application from criminal enforcement of compliance. To very specific sanctions compliance, look at what is happening in your industry. Look at what use. Look at what is happening to your peers. Look at what your peers are doing, and then if you see commonalities, do those things. And that is not what SeaGate did, and here we are.
1: So, in terms of any action going forward, I, I guess I had not thought this could be criminal at this this point uh, because of, of the BIS settlement. Perhaps there are potential criminal actions available, or if there are other violations, that could lead to potential criminal penalties. But I guess I still think Seagate got off awful cheap and easy on this one because they seem to have engaged in some pretty egregious conduct. You know, Tom, there was one other important point I wanted to bring up that
0: (laughs) we've talked about this with sanctions issues before. You know, the OFAC in particular— is fond of saying sanctions is hard, and companies can misunderstand this. Well, very specifically, the rule that got Seagate into trouble is known as the foreign direct product rule, or the what is it exactly? The foreign produced direct product rule. So it is not enough that you are producing goods in a company, in a country overseas, that you might be a foreign business producing foreign goods for sale to a foreign customer. If the products that you're producing are based on U.S. technologies, which Seagate's were, then that violates the foreign produced direct product rule, and you can't ship it out. So even if you're building hard drive equipment in Singapore for shipment to China, and ultimately you are a company that is owned in Ireland, which is Seagate, all of their technology is based on intellectual property developed in the United States. So you can't ship those goods to China or to sanctions entities. That is a big part of what the Trump administration started. And now the Biden administration is doing now to kind of contain China's use of advanced technologies. So if you are a tech company, understand what this rule actually means and you know, know what foreign products you are building on U.S. technologies and understand that you know you can't
1: <laughs> to Russia,
0: and uh, yet again because Seagate misunderstood the foreign produced direct product rule, they thought they were exempt. Apparently they didn't bother to confirm whether we are or aren't exempt with Huawei. They totally misread that situation and they wound up with a big mess on their hands. And I mean, I wonder if the Securities and Exchange Commission might take some sort of enforcement action here for so improper disclosure. They seem to have a gift for extrapolating new theories of liability now. These days from the SEC, so who knows? I could see that shareholder lawyers lawsuits are going to be forthcoming over this. Probably, like, this is a mess that Seagate didn't have to have because they didn't understand the sanctions that they were confronted with. And Seagate is not a small company. It's not unsophisticated. And they got
1: this wrong still. So if it can happen to them, it can happen to a lot of other companies. Perhaps we might end with what we started with, which was we bookended two podcasts now on export control enforcement actions, and they could not be more contrasting. Microsoft last week and Seagate this week, lots of lessons for compliance officers outside of export control, but clearly some pretty big lessons. So Let's see what next week brings us, Matt. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories, for the Best Co-Host and for Best Business Podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week, where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.